He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on the leader's cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the leader's cut. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode with my best friend and twin, Tim Ross. Next week, we're uh, Tim and I are going to be talking about mentoring. We had a fun conversation since uh, there was a one reel a couple weeks back where he and I were talking about mentoring that got a lot of conversation. And so we just thought it'd be good to continue that conversation and to talk a little bit more about mentoring. So that'll be next week. But this week, as you can see, we're essentially talking about the second half of last week's conversation where Tim and I talked about hearing from God. The other side of that coin is God hearing from us. Prayer is God hearing from us. So before we jump into this, we got to pray. We got to ask the Holy Spirit to jump into this conversation, to steer this conversation, to dispense wisdom and, and cause our hearts to ignite, be set on fire as he speaks to our hearts and also make room for him to cut on us, especially those of us where maybe we're in a stale season in our prayer lives. Let's just take a moment to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be extremely present in our time. Spirit of the living God, thank you so much for being so present. You are so good to us. And we just invite you in this moment, wherever they are, whatever they were just doing, whatever they need to do later in the day they're watching this, Holy Spirit, would you step into this conversation would you speak loudly and clearly? Prayer was never meant to be boring. It was meant to be bold and beautiful. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you cut on us? Wherever something needs to fall off of us, would you just cut on us? Would you cause each of our prayer lives to go to places we've never experienced before. Would you open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear from you? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is one of my favorite subjects. I readily admit that. And I really do see prayer as a two-faceted act. It's one part, God hearing from me, and, and the other part, me hearing from God. And since we talked about me hearing from God last week, this week we're going to talk about God hearing from me. But I don't want us to go into this conversation about prayer acting like it's some religious thing. It is not just a religious act. Prayer is a divinely intimate conversation between you and God. Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, if you know me at all, you know this is my favorite chapter in the New Testament, and so it's going to make its way into our conversation all the time. Jesus is teaching us how to pray, and he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. 
For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Jesus brings up this idea that one of the pitfalls of prayer is monotonous, mindless repetition. And Jesus, on behalf of the Father, is saying, when you pray to the Father, don't turn your brain off. Because if you turn your brain off, you've turned your heart off. Don't just repeat the same things over and over again. The Father heard you the first time. Jesus is teaching us, when you go in to pray, find a different way to do it every time you do it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about seven different ways to pray. And I know there are other ways to pray. Uh, I specifically um, thought of several and, and just don't have time to go through all of them. So I'm just going to go over seven that I think the Lord will be pleased uh, by us talking about this together. All right. And they kind of fall into three different categories. All right. First, you have what I call the prayers God can handle. Of course, God can handle every prayer. But what I really mean is I think some of us think that there are certain prayers God can't handle that possibly even God hates to hear. Let's just get on the record with this one. God loves when you pray. And it's possible that the enemy has created this narrative that isn't even true, that there are certain types of prayers God never wants to hear from you. So let me give you a couple of prayers God can handle. Here's the first one. He can handle your requests, your prayer requests. This is kind of how I heard it growing up, growing up in the church. Does anyone have any prayer requests? We're kind of conditioned at a very early age to make our prayer requests unto the Lord. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. That's a word right there. Instead, instead of worrying, replace worry with what? Prayer. Pray about everything. Okay. If God didn't want to hear us tell him all our needs, why would scripture say, tell God what you need in prayer? God wants to be a part of helping to meet every one of your needs. Here's how you know. It's why he gave them to you. You were created needy by design. We all are. Well, who created us? He did. Which means where did our needs come from? Him. Now, there are some people who say, well, God's all I need. And if that's you, let me, let me just give you something to think about. If, if God is all I need, why did Adam need woman? Why, why did God say it's not good for man to be alone? Because think about it. God had relationship without obstruction with man. If God was all man needed, and I, I know this might sound controversial. I really don't think it is at all. If God was all man needed, I don't think God would have said, he has everything he needs. He has me. God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Well, he technically, he wasn't alone because he was with God. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. All my needs 
He doesn't just say, he'll be all I need. He said, I'll supply all your needs. Preston. It's kind of fun to be needed. I don't know if you know this. I love being needed by my wife. I love being needed by my children. I love it when they come and ask me for something they need. Because I love them and they have needs. And I want to be a part of helping to meet them. Okay, well, if that's the kind of father I am, imagine how much more seriously God takes meeting your needs than I do helping to meet my children's needs. But let me say this before some of us go way too far with this one. Though God loves to hear you tell him all your needs, he doesn't want that to be the only thing you talk to him about. This is where if we're not careful, we can turn God into some kind of a genie where the only time we talk to him is in when we need something. Here's the advice I'd give you. Try and treat God more like a spouse than like a genie. Think about it like this. How would a date go with a spouse that spent the entire evening asking for stuff? It would be kind of annoying. Now, if you're with a genie, a genie's responsibility is just to do everything I ask. But that's not my spouse's responsibility. Sometimes we, we put God into the genie category. And so we get a little too comfortable only talking to him about our needs. Yes, he wants to hear you communicate your needs to him. But that should never be the bulk of what we talk about and what I talk to him about. All right? So first kind of prayer that God can handle is our needs, requests. Second, and this one might surprise you, our complaints. God can handle our complaints. Psalm 142, verses 1 and 2, David says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. I don't know if you knew this, but God doesn't get frustrated by your frustrations as long as you don't conceal your complaints. The problem with not complaining to the Lord is that bitterness builds up when complaints are concealed. Complaints which are concealed slowly but surely contaminate the heart of the one hiding all of the complaints. But don't treat God like some customer service box though, okay? It's not some customer satisfaction survey. And, you know, I don't know the last time you were at your favorite store and you, you received bad service or something and you saw a customer satisfaction box. It was just for typically complaints, not encouragement uh, or gratitude. And, and what do most people do? They write the complaint, but they don't sign their name to it. An anonymous complaint. What do anonymous complaints sound like with God? Well, we go into prayer and we say, you know, Lord, the kids, they seem really frustrated that we're not going on family vacation this summer. I think the kids would, would really like it if we could afford a family vacation this summer. And I just wonder if the Lord's not giggling a little bit going, really now? You're going to come to me via the kids? Why don't you just tell me? that you're a little bit disappointed, that it appears today as though you can't take your kids 
on vacation this summer. Just go directly to him with your complaints. He can handle your complaints. But here's the really big question. Can you handle his response? God can handle all my complaints. That's a fact. I'm not sure I can always handle his response. (laughs) This is why I don't always share my complaints with him. Because every time I share my complaints, he brings his perspective. I want to show you. I'm going to read 16 verses in Psalm 77. Because I just want you to see this beautiful conversation of prayer that involves some complaints. I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Just get that picture. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. That's an honest complaint. I I think of God and I moan overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? This is actually a little trick here. When you're complaining, put a question mark on it. It sounds more hypothetical. (laughs) Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Look at all these question marks. I just love this. And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, The waters looked and trembled. Okay, look at the transition. Sometimes I think we just need to get our complaints out to the Lord. And and do you see about halfway through the 16 verses I read you, around verse seven, eight, or nine, there's a, a turning point from griping and complaining to worshiping. Sometimes I think we just need to make space in our alone time with the God of the universe for some honest complaining. Having said that, 99% of the time for me, I'll just tell you for me, a complaint involves improper perspective from the only one in the conversation who doesn't know the end from the beginning. He reminds me every time. I don't know. And sometimes I'm just frustrated. Well, let me ask you this. What what kind of relationship would we have with the Lord if we couldn't be honest when we are frustrated? I don't want to take my complaints out on him, but I most certainly want to offer up my complaints to him. He wants to be involved even in my frustrations. Can you imagine a perfect friend when you are frustrated 
who, who just pulls up a chair next to you and says, tell me about it. Tell me what's frustrating your heart. This is our God. He's involved even in our frustrations and he can handle our complaints. Just don't make complaining the most consistent thing you do in your prayer closet. One of the things I found is there are two types of complainers in prayer. On the extreme end of the spectrum, you have those who never complain. Everything is perfect. And so they never complain at all, which is literally impossible. I'm human in a fallen world. There's going to be something that frustrates me at some point. And so if you, if you feel this uh, weight, and I'll even call it an ungodly weight, to act like everything is okay all of the time, can I just kind of point you to Jesus, the one who would love to set you free from that bondage? It's not godly to act like there's nothing to complain about. Sure, it's great. Don't complain to everyone else. I save my complaints for the Lord. It's a special thing that I do with him. I complain to him more than I complain to my wife. Because if I complain to my wife as much as I complain to him, it would weigh her down. And so I let him have it. The other side of the spectrum is those who do nothing but complain to God. Both are unhealthy and don't lead to more intimacy with God. God can handle our complaints, but be ready for his response. Second category, shall I say, of prayers are the prayers God likes. So the prayers God can handle, then the prayers God likes. Here's the first one. Agreement. Prayers of agreement. Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. I honestly don't think we believe this scripture. Here's why I say that. If we actually believe this, we'd have more prayer, prayer services in the church. Why don't we have more prayer services? I'm, I'm not just looking at you and your church. I'm talking about me and the, the church I pastor. Why don't we have more prayer services? I think part of it is because we forget the power of prayers of agreement. In a world full of division, God loves it. When we come together to pray, the devil hates prayer, but he abhors it when we pray together. He hates it when I pray alone, but he quakes, he shivers when we pray together. Don't just pray. Get people to pray with you. Now I'm going to show my nerdy side. Because as, as I was preparing for this, I got this image in my head. For those of you Marvel fans, um, if you remember Age of Ultron, there's a scene when all of the Avengers are surrounding Ultron and they're, they're all using their superpowers. I get it's just a comic movie, please. Okay, it's not real life. I get it. It's, just, it's a great picture of what we're talking about. All the Avengers are surrounding Ultron and they're using their superpower to together to take him out okay our as believers in jesus prayer 
is one of my greatest superpowers. And the family of God that I've been set in and grafted into, when we pray together, it's like that superpower gets ramped up. It ratchets up. Just think practically about this. How many mornings of your life do you fire off a text to the friends closest to you? Say, hey, you got an idea. Let's be in agreement in prayer about this one thing together. Let's, let's pray over our teenagers today, this one area. Let's pray over our spouses today, this one area. Let's pray over our church today, this one specific area. If we actually believed the words of Jesus, that when two of us agree, the Father responds quickly to those prayers of agreement. This is something that when I've got stuff going on, first I've got elders in my life, so I have a board. Uh, and one of the things I do, if I need prayer, I go to them, and we agree together. And they, they will pray over me in agreement together. Why? Because the verse, the passage I just read to you, there is power in prayers of agreement. I love to pray by myself, but when I really want to piss off the enemy, I grab my friends. I say, will you agree with me in prayer? Will you stand with me on this? Here's the next type of prayer that I believe God likes. Thank yous. Thank yous. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18 say this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful at all times, in all things, no matter what, Scripture says. And I want to show you the difference between appreciation and gratitude because I think God loves both, all right? Here's appreciation. It's thank yous that are given directly to God. Think about it like this. If you were at a restaurant and um, the food was great and you told uh, the person serving your table how great the food was and you said, would you please deliver this message to the chef? The food was fantastic and we enjoyed our evening. That's a thank you. It's given directly to the person. Here's gratitude. Gratitude is displayed before God and man. First Chronicles 16 verse 8 says, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. I was skiing a couple weeks ago with some friends and it was just a really special day. It was a total blizzard. I think that day it, it snowed. Well, the night before it snowed like eight to 10 inches. And then that day uh, it snowed another 12 plus inches. It, it was just heavenly, dare I use that, that word. I was riding up the lift with my friends and I just started thanking the Lord right there in front of my friends. I just started talking to the Lord. My friends are close and they know this is how I roll. And I just said to the Lord, God, you flew me here to this mountain. You gave me 
this private access to this hill. You made it snow like crazy. God, you did all of this. I was just being a little boy. And it didn't bother me in the least that my friends were sitting in the same chair on the lift. I was giving gratitude to God. I wasn't just telling him thank you directly. I was thanking him in front of others. God gets glory through your gratitude. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer. And then it, it calibrates us. How? With an alert mind and a thankful heart. Thankfulness is gratefulness for his greatness. Here's a wonderful goal. Sometime this week, spend a day thanking him more than you ask him for anything. Thank him more than you ask him for. Gratitude shows I am grateful for what he's already done. More grateful than what he's already done than I am concerned about what he's yet to do. If you want God to do something new tomorrow, be sure to thank him first for what he did yesterday. We get so busy wanting him to do something new tomorrow. But I just wonder how many times he just wants a little thank you for what he did yesterday. I used a minute ago a picture of being seated at a restaurant and having great food and sending a thank you uh, through the server back to the chef. Well, I used that because this is something that actually happened to me a while back. I was having a wonderful meal with some friends and the food was outstanding. And we didn't just say to the server, please tell the chef the food was incredible. We actually asked for the server to, to see if it was okay for the chef to come to our table. And the chef came to the table and we said, this food was some of the best food we have had in a very long time. It was not flattery, it was honor, it was, it was honest honor which can sometimes sound like flattery, but we were so grateful for the meal, the experience we just had, that we had to honor the person who worked so hard to give it to us. And so we just wanted to say, thank you. You know what happened? 10 minutes later, the most amazing dessert off the menu. This thing was not on the menu comes out to our table and took our breath away. In my opinion, the chef was just sending a message. Thank you for your thank you. I wonder if God isn't like that. If there are times, if we'll just say, thank you, God. When was the last time you spent the entirety of your prayer time with the Lord just thanking him, not asking for anything, not complaining about anything, just thanking him? for who he is and everything you can think of which he has already done for you. I wonder if we did that more, if God, like that chef, wouldn't from time to time send an off-the-menu dessert that takes our breath away simply to say, Preston, thank you for your thank you. I 
love it when you say thank you to me. He went on record and said it in scripture. When you go into my presence, thank yous will get you into my place, my presence. Bring me a thank you. I love it when you say thank you. Let's make sure in our time alone with the Lord that we are bringing our thank yous. You know what's really tragic? is when we spend years telling the Lord there's a need, that there's a dream, there's something we're begging him for. And then finally, he does it. And we're so quick to step into it as though we've always had it. That we say thank you once and move on and never say thank you again. This to me is tragic. My personal philosophy, because my kids, you know, my, my oldest son and I kind of go back and forth on this uh, in principle. He'll say, Daddy, if I say thank you one time, that's good enough. Now, listen, I, I don't demand that my kids say thank you every day for the same thing. But I've tried to teach my kids that it's very sweet and it means a lot when they randomly on a day, years removed from something their mother and I did for them, when they just randomly sit down next to us and say something like this. Mommy, Daddy, do you remember a couple years ago, there was something I, I really wanted and I was asking for a lot and you gave it to me. I just want you to know I'm still grateful for that. I'm so thankful for what you did for me. Okay, let's just be real. I'm going to kind of be a little sarcastic. Do you not think when my own children say, thank you for something you did for me years ago, that I'm not going to respond and go, Holmes, I'm about to do something for you right now. Because when you talk like that to me, I want to do even more for you. You're acknowledging via gratitude and your thank you that I did something for you you couldn't do for yourself. This is what our thank yous are to God. It's us saying, God, thank you for doing something I could have never done. I acknowledge it was you and I am grateful that you did it for me. One of my favorite things to see God respond to is my gratitude. Because as a daddy, I understand what it's like to hear thank you. And this is one of the, the reasons for me personally why thank yous are something I say a lot in our alone time together. Here's the next type of prayer that God likes, desires. I bet some of you didn't know that. He, he loves your prayer time to involve your desires, your wants. Job chapter 6, verse 8. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant my desires. It's, it's not just allowed. You issuing your desires, you declaring your desires to the Lord isn't something he simply allows. It's actually something he desires. 
God desires to hear your desires. But never, ever, ever, ever make your desires from the Lord more important to you than your delight in the Lord. This is Psalm 37, verse 4. Take delight in the Lord. That's the first domino. And then he will give you your heart's desires. Another way to say it, don't make your heart's desires your idol. Make the Lord the one you delight in. Delight in the Lord even more than you delight in seeing your heart's desires be given to you. Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26, Asaph says something really awesome about this topic. He says, who am I? Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God, you remain the strength of my heart. You are mine forever. This is such a balancing prayer. Yes, my heart has desires, but God, you are my ultimate desire. Okay, remember earlier in this conversation, we talked about that some people say God is all we need. Okay, that's not completely true. We have many needs, but desires? God was always meant to be our heart's greatest desire. And when God becomes my greatest desire, it's breathtaking what he does with all of my heart's desires. Don't come into his presence because of what he can do for you. Come into his presence because of what he means to you. Spend some time communicating your heart's desires to him. I'm convinced he loves it when we do that. But never, ever forget. He wants to be our number one desire. God, I desire you more than anything on this earth. I desire you more than anything in my life. Think about the things the godly men and women in scripture said. Things like, I desire you more than the oxygen in my lungs. Like a deer pants for water. I desire you. And he loves it when we share our heart's desires with him. Here's the third category of prayers. Prayers God loves. And I'm sure you could say he loves all of our prayers. I'm just using this to kind of um, give a, a different way to see some of these prayers. Here's a prayer I'm convinced God loves. The earnest prayer. James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I wonder, when I read this verse, if God ever gives his measure of response based on our level of earnestness. What if he did? I think you'd never pray without earnestness ever again. Isn't this kind of what James 5.16 is saying? It's the earnest prayer that accomplishes much. 
Another way to say it, if it ain't earnest, it's probably not going to accomplish. And then I love how God doesn't just leave us with that. Listen to verses 17 and 18. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. See, I think some of us look at biblical stories and just think, well, we're nothing like Elijah. We're nothing like Moses. You know, they, they weren't normal humans. I just read you the verse. James 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was as human as you. What was the difference? He prayed earnestly. Well, okay, Preston, what, what does an earnest prayer sound like? Like that guy at the gym dramatically putting up weights. The grunter, I like to call him. It's what I sound like in my prayer closet when I'm praying earnestly. Holmes, you should hear some of the things I pray for earnestly. It, it's, it's not gushy. It's bloody. I'm, I'm not just, it, it's not playtime. There are things I need God to do on our behalf in this church, and I don't just come to him kind of wishy-washy and, well, Lord, it would be great if you did that. No. No, I petition the Lord. I pray earnestly. I shout unto the Lord. I petition. I beg the Lord to do it. I get all riled up is another way to say it. To me, that's what an earnest prayer is like. Listen, if all we do is spend two or three minutes in prayer, we're never going to get to the earnest part. Sometimes I got to spend some dedicated time alone with the Lord and it just starts ramping up. I can just sense and pushing all my buttons and this earnest prayer comes out of my heart like a little boy, but I am shouting before the Lord. First Peter 4 verse 7 reminds us how important earnest prayers are in the day in which we live. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. I don't want to go too far with this, but sometimes I get a little bit frustrated with believers because everybody be talking about the end is near. And listen, I, I, I believe Jesus is coming again soon. Of course, no man knows the day, the hour, the time. But I think there's a way to measure if someone actually believes he's coming again soon. Measure the earnestness and the discipline of their prayer life. If you really believe he's coming again soon, I think one of the best ways to know isn't that you talk about it or you binge watch a bunch of videos on the end times online. I think it's that you go into your prayer closet without YouTube, without anybody else's teaching, and you earnestly petition the God of the universe to move on this earth in a way the earth has never seen him move before. When my children were young, I could tell when they really wanted something 
There was an earnestness. Well, what does the word earnest mean in the Bible? Passionate. There were sometimes they would come to me with a Christmas request, you know, Daddy, I would really love to get this gift. And that's all they'd say. Then there were other times. They'd ask me multiple times a day. They'd come sit on my lap. Daddy, daddy, daddy. There's something I really, really want. I don't want anything else. This is the one thing that I want. They were earnest. I could tell they were serious based on how earnest they were in their request. I just wonder if God measures out his response based upon our measure of earnestness when we make a request. Prayer is always important, but the closer we get to Christ's return, Scripture tells us the more essential earnest prayers will be. Why? I'm earnest in my prayers because the devil is vindictive in his defense. So I'm going to get after it. We're we're going to wrestle sometimes. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world. Okay, if this is a wrestling match, a divine wrestling match, and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, then you best believe there are going to be times when I'm praying in the spirit over the city. God has said I would die in many, 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 many years from now. I'm going to be shouting. I'm going to be earnest. I'm going to be passionate. It matters to me. I don't just come in with a whisper. I know he can hear my whisper. But I'm also mindful of the fact that he's always measuring my earnestness. When my kids would just ask me for something silly, they would ask me once and without much conviction. But when my kids would ask me 50 to 100 times and get more passionate every time they asked me, I knew they meant business. Can you imagine what the church would look like if the body of Christ would start praying more consistently in agreement together, but earnestly? as we make our petitions known to our great God. If you knew God was measuring his response based on the earnestness of your request, would it change how earnest, how passionately you petition him when you ask anything of him? I think it would. So dial it up. He loves it. Convinced. He loves your earnest prayer. This brings us to something that hits home very, 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 very much for me right now. It's the prayer of faith. It's the prayer of faith. I know two weeks ago, uh, we talked about, are you crazy enough? And what we were talking about is faith. But I am convinced that one of God's favorite prayers I pray is the prayer of faith. Jesus in Mark chapter 11, verse 24 said it. I'll tell you the truth. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, please do not take this down the name it and claim it route. All right? This isn't some prosperity. And I, I know there's disagreement on what that actually means. And some people might say that I'm in the middle of the prosperity gospel. I've disagreed with that. Prosperity gospel is when you take a verse like this out of context and just say, hey, I can ask for anything. I got to ask for an airplane. An airplane just took off a couple hundred yards from where I'm sitting right now. 
big old jet. I could hear how big. Well, if I just ask God for it and I believe that I've received it, that jet's going to be mine next week. Okay. That's, that's, in my opinion, going a little bit too far. All right. Being sweet by saying a little bit. I mean a little bit more than a little bit. But I do believe that God loves the prayer of faith when it comes out of my heart. And for me, the prayer of faith, while it does come out of my mouth, a prayer of faith comes out of my heart before it even comes out of my mouth. And I can just sense the Lord. You know, some people don't even get to the end of the videos, and it's totally cool. But for those who do, uh, I think this is going to be a special little moment. Because I could just sense just now, as this little boy talks about um, the prayer of faith and the situation that he's in, uh, I could just sense my daddy pull up a chair between you and me. And so I'm really grateful for you because I love you so much if you made it to this part of this conversation. I think sometimes the only reason we don't pray huge prayers simply because we don't understand how big God actually is. Why do you think that I spend so much time trying to describe the God of the universe? <laughs> you know, I've never said this publicly before, but I've said that term, God of the universe, thousands of times in a pulpit, in front of a camera, over this last 10 years of my life. Because I set a goal. By the time I, I die many years from now, one of the things I want to be known for is constantly using the term God of the universe. Because there have just been too many times in my life where I was standing before a Red Sea that seemed really, really impossibly big. And sometimes I believed it was so big that it was impossible. And then God did something. He did something that no one else could do. And because I've seen him do impossible things, the way I remind myself on the earth that my God is so much bigger than this earth is I constantly say he's the God of the universe. It's just this little boy's way of reminding himself. His daddy is immeasurably huge. Mark 11, verses 22 and 23, Jesus said, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. I'm sorry. This just really hits home for me right now. <laughs> Sometimes I just... I told my wife last week, if I could bite my lip and make myself not cry when I feel it, it would be an awesome superpower. But it is what it is. And I'm just shooting dead straight with you because I know not everybody is watching this, and so I can say it to you as though we were just at coffee on a Saturday morning. 
there's some really big stuff that I'm asking the Lord for. And a lot of people say it's impossible. And I'm not, I'm not asking for it so that I can get any credit for it. I'm asking for it because I want God to get all the glory for it. I'm just convinced that seemingly impossible things are just a divine setup for God to show that he alone is God. It's like, as I say it, <laughs> he's just reminding me. <laughs> the Red Sea always has a purpose. The sea was impossibly large so that we'd still be talking about it today. So little boys and little girls in the family of God, and I'm just a little boy in my mid-40s, but a little boy in my heart, are called to pray really big prayers about very big obstacles. And when they do, they see really big breakthroughs because of their immeasurably big God. God loves our prayers of faith because they show what we believe he's capable of. I think God loves it so much when I pray these stupid prayers. And I don't mean they're dumb, but if you heard some of them, and I'm in a situation where the richest man in, in the state where I pastor just bought 10 acres of land for $31 million. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, but I'm obsessed with God's house. And I have this thing inside of me that it's time for our church to have a home and not just be renting someone else's. So I've been petitioning the Lord about some things. And obstacle after obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. But I refuse to spend more time focusing on the size of my sea than I do on, on the size of my Savior. I'm going to fixate on the size of the God who measures the universe like this. I want to encourage you, because I just sensed as I started to talk about it, I think several of you have some seemingly impossible things staring you in the face. Take it to the Lord with the heart of a six-year-old or a seven-year-old. You know, when you're, 
you're young. Many children think their parents can do anything. You know, Maxim is four and a half, and and he's pretty convinced that adults like me can do anything. That we have all power. I don't. But I know the one who does. And whether it's that your womb has been shut for a while. I've seen him open the womb. Don't take the doctor's report as the truth. I've seen him do what no human can. Whether it's something financial. I've seen him do things. No stock or investment ever could. Maybe it's a breakthrough in your marriage and it seems like they've given up and they want nothing to do with you. This might sound shocking, but I've seen a husband hold a gun in a conversation with his wife. And they were literally ready to kill each other. They hated each other so much. They've been married for over 50 years and I want a marriage just like them. He is the God for whom nothing is impossible. So why don't we spend more time taking prayers of faith? I want to. I want to be known as one of his sons who prays the boldest prayers of faith in his generation. Because I think every time I go to my daddy, say, daddy, there's something that must happen. But you're the only one who can make it happen. And I believe, I believe you can and will do it. Because I've heard you say you want to. I just leave the ball in his court. I want to be known for believing that my daddy actually is the one for whom nothing is impossible. <laughs> Sorry, I got so emotional. No, it's not. It definitely ain't sexy. <laughs> but I ain't worried about being sexy at this stage of my life. I'm a middle-aged man. It is what it is. I just want to see the bride pray more impossible prayers. Everything before us which seems impossible is just a divine setup for everyone within arm's reach to see how great our God is. So let's be more bold. I just, I want to end our time together just telling you how grateful I am for you. Uh, I'll just say it this way. I feel really safe just to be me and not have to be all polished and uh, just be me. And if something's going on, <laughs> not to just fake it and uh, preach my way and authentically through something 
I'm legitimately experiencing real time. I need to see God do some, some of the biggest miracles I might ever see him do in my life. And you might be in that same spot. So I just, I, I actually want to end our time praying a prayer of faith. If you'll let me. Can I just pray over you and over all of us and the seemingly impossible things standing before us? God, there is no one like you. No. There never will be. Time and time again, you have done the impossible. What everyone said couldn't be done. When they said Lazarus couldn't come back, you made sure he did. When they said the Israelites were going to die at the hand of the Egyptian army, you parted the sea. When they said Jericho couldn't come down, you made it fall. They said a savior couldn't come. You sent your son. There's no one like you. And I'm convinced with all of my heart that you were preparing to do some seemingly impossible things that will get the attention of the whole world. You've been lining it up since before the beginning of time. God, I pray that you would cause our faith to rise. You are the God of the universe. There's nothing too hard for you. Let's pray over my brothers and my sisters. My family. Pray to strengthen them for this battle. Pray that as they bring these prayers of faith to you, that you render them speechless with your response. God, I don't want to see a monument built, but I do want to see memorial stones all over the earth that testify to your faithfulness, your awesomeness. Your limitless power. 
happen in the womb. May it happen in the marriage. May it happen in the home. May it happen in the team. May it happen in the business. May it happen in the church. May it happen in the cancer patient. May it happen in the pastor. May your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. May we celebrate the fact that we are getting to live in a day where we get front row seats to see you do things the earth has never see, seen you pull off before. You are our God and nothing is impossible for you. Would you do what we desperately need done? We believe you can. We believe if it be thy will, you will. In Jesus' name, amen. I know this one was a little bit different than normal at the end, but this is what ha this is how it would go if we were having coffee. Wherever he goes, I want to go. And it's like the second we got to the prayer of faith, he just he just put that hand on this little boy's heart. And that one got me. Well, I love you so much. And just appreciate being on this journey together and getting to talk about it along the way. I'm praying for you. I'm believing God with you. If there's something impossible, put in the comments. You know me. I don't like just to pray over you these blind or, or vague prayers. I like to be specific. So if there's a way I can come into agreement with you in prayer, put in the comments. I want to see God do the impossible in your life. I love you. I'll see you next week.